0: The kingdom of God is not merely in word but in power. Why are we talking about it? Because it's gonna have a lot to do with the way you respond to difficult times, losing your home, losing your job, relationship breakup. This has everything to do with it right here. And the point of the parable primarily is this: Christianity goes beyond a word into power. Today, 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 with Jeff Fines, pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. Mm. Hello, my name is Bill, and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. We'll hear another message in the Help series today. In this episode, Pastor Jeff looks at the parable of the mustard seed and the yeast from Luke chapter 13. He'll explore questions like, is there any way out? So let's hop into it now. Here's Pastor Jeff to begin the message. All right, Luke chapter 13. Luke 13, it's a great, great passage of scripture. Jesus asked, What is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It's like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air pursed in its branches. This is verse 18, Luke 13. Again he asked, What shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Now here's the danger. Look up now. The danger is when we do a series like this called Help, that we will give each other a bunch of platitudes that have no real depth, but are just designed to make us feel better. As a matter of fact, that's what the unbelieving world says about Christianity. It says that all you do when you get in trouble, you just you kinda of go into a dream world that's not real and you encourage each others with words that give you immediate encouragement but that do not have lasting effect. In fact, you have to ask this if you're honest with yourself as, as a Christian. What makes Jesus any different, his philosophy, any different than any other worldview or religion? Every faith system has its words of encouragement during difficult times. I mean, you think about even Buddhism. Buddhism says that pain is an illusion. I don't know how that's supposed to comfort, but it says pain's not really there. You just think it is. Hinduism tells you if you're having a really bad life, well, hold on tight. Maybe in the next life, it'll be easier. I'm not sure how that's supposed to encourage. Atheism even has a way of encouragement. It tells you that if your life is really, really bad, it'll end soon. It'll all be over and you'll never you'll never remember it. But what makes Jesus different now? What makes him so different? What makes his set of ideas or philosophies or the words we give each other as Christians any different and any more meaningful? This is the story of this parable. Now, let me warn you. This is not just going to be a sermon of a little uh, a story here and there with some humor thrown in. You're going to have to think today. It's okay to do that from time to time to get the Bible out and have to really think about what Jesus is teaching here. First century audience would have understood it immediately. I got to break it down and the point of the parable primarily is this that christianity there is a radical difference between what jesus teaches that christianity goes beyond a word into power it goes beyond a set of philosophy or ideas or concepts a lot of people come to christianity like that they see it as just another set of ideas like any other set of ideas and they try it on like you would a new shirt you know you want a new shirt to Reveal your good parts and hide your bad parts. So you go to Christianity, you approach it as a set of ideas and you pick and choose which ideas you like and do away with the ones you don't. Jesus says that the difference is that Christianity goes beyond just word, concepts, ideas, into power. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 4 said, The kingdom of God is not merely word, not merely philosophies, worldviews. It will transform the way you look at life. That's indeed true. But it goes beyond word into power. Now, look up. Let me kickstart our thinking. Have you ever seen anything in your life? You see it, and all of a sudden you think, Wow, I can't believe that's there. You know, your mother in law says something really nasty to you, and you don't even think of retaliation, guys. You think of giving mercy and grace on a kind word. You think, man, I can't believe I did that. Somebody pulls out in front of you in LA traffic or cuts you off. And instead of rolling down the window and giving Christian cuss words, whatever they are, <laughs> you, you just respond by thinking, you know, I'm just going to give that person grace. Go ahead. Come on in. No worries. And, you, and then you look at that. Man, I can't believe that's there. Is there anything in your life that you can say that about? That you forgave when everything within you wanted to retaliate, that you expressed humility, when everything within you wanted to gain the sense of entitlement to say, I should have gotten that promotion. But st- instead of saying that, you actually rejoice that something good happened to somebody other than you. That you responded immediately with grace and mercy rather than anger when everything inside you wanted to do that. Listen, this is important because it's the test of authenticity. Anything inside you at all that you say, man, I can't believe that's there, that's inexplicable outside, of the transformational power of God's spirit living in me. I got no explanation for that. How could that get there? It's a sign of authenticity. That's what Jesus is saying right up front. It's a sign that you get it, that the kingdom of God is not merely in word, but in power. Say that with me. The kingdom of God is not merely in word, but in power. The kingdom of God is not merely in word, but in power. Now, what kind of power are we talking about? Luke 13, Jesus describes this power. Why are we talking about it? because it's going to have a lot to do with the way you respond to difficult times, losing your home, losing your job, a relationship breakup. This has everything to do with it right here. Jesus says that power, number one, can be described as the power of new life. That's what's illustrated by the seed, an organic power. It is a living seed. And second, it can be described as new growth, as illustrated by the yeast, because both the seed And the yeast grow. So first, let's look at this power of new life. The Bible says, when you became a Christian, when you RSVP'd to God's invitation into the kingdom, and you repented, and you said you were sorry, and you verbalized your trust in Jesus as your savior, you plunged your past, when you responded, the Bible makes no mistake. It says, a new life came into you. Now, it's not like you were dead before. But it's like, if you compare to where you are now with where you were before, you're like a dead man walking. Now, what that means is this, I got some dirt here. And this dirt, there's a part of us that would say, it's not living. But those of you who study earth sciences, no, that's not not entirely true, is it? It's, It's an organic compound. There are organic constructs and forms right here. Rich, good dirt is alive in a sense. But if you take a seed and you put the seed in the dirt, it goes from a lower life form to a higher life form. That's what the Bible says happens to you when you're born again. God puts his life seed in the soil of your soul. And you are transformed from a lower level of life to a higher level of life. And there's no comparison between the two. Where does he say that? First Peter 1.23 For you have been born again not of perishable seed. I love that idea. It's a word we learn in seminary, the word efficacious. Don't you love that? It just means effective. It works, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. James 1:18. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be the first kind or the kind of first fruits of all he created. In other words, God planted his seed in us. It begins to grow. John 3. I love this. I say to you, unless one is born again, unless God plants his seed of life into the soil of your soul, you cannot even see spiritual things. You don't become aware of what's really around you until you're born again. And 2 Peter 1, 4, for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature. What are these saying? the same thing. When you're born again, John 3 says the spirit of God comes on the inside. Second Peter 1 says you're partakers of the divine nature. Listen, the life substance of God comes on the inside of you and you are raised from a lower level of life to a higher level of life. Now you say, okay, Jeff, that's a little bit ooey gooey. Give me a little explanation here in your bulletin. To be born again means when you become a Christian, you were raised from a lower level to a higher order of life. Now think about the progression just a moment. This is life. It's dirt. I told you it's going to be hard. Stay with me, please, for the next eight to 10 minutes. Even if you don't like science, just stay right here, okay, because it'll all go into a funnel and at the end it'll all come out and it'll explode and we'll all be happy. (laughs) Primarily that it's over. And so we have the dirt. It is a life form, isn't it? Then the next form of life is the plant stage. Next form of life is the animal stage. And the next form is the, the human stage. Now, even though these are a progression of life stages, there's a vast difference between each one. So that you might say that to a plant, this stage can be described as living death. It's not really living at all. That's why we say when a person is living uh, on life support or there are no brain waves, that person is living what? At a vegetable state, meaning that there is life here, but compared to where it could be, this is a living death. You're alive, but not really alive. It's kind of like Dane Johnson's golf game. I mean, he's a golfer, but he, he really doesn't play golf. I mean, you know, he calls himself one, but it's so bad, it's not really golfing. This, it's so bad, it's not really living, okay? Now, when you receive eternal life, here's what the Bible says. It's beautiful. is a beautiful concept. You are pushed into a higher level of life so that where you just were, it's like nothing more than mere existence. It's still life, but in comparison, you're not really living. Now, let's go back to science just a moment now. If you look at all stages of life, let's think about the three, sta- the three uh, issues concerned with living. Usually, it's awareness, that you're aware of things, that you're acting and doing, and that you're feeling. Those are what, that's what we do in life. Now, look at every stage. Start out with the dirt in awareness, okay? How much does a? Now this is what scientists tell me. I'm not an expert in this, but I'm assuming from what I've read that every form of life has some sense of sensation. They're aware to some degree of what's around them. How much do you think dirt is aware of? Probably not very little. Plant might be a little more aware. I mean, they are, they are aware of some things. A plant is, but it doesn't have the five senses. It can't see or hear. And an animal, it has the five senses, but it's not a rational creature, so it doesn't see everything that a human sees. In other words. It might have the five senses, but it doesn't grasp justice and injustice, beauty and ugliness. Uh, It doesn't have a moral code within it of right and wrong. The point I'm making is the higher, listen, the higher order, the higher level, then the more you're aware of, right? The higher the level of awareness, the more you're aware of. So that back to your bulletin, in the area of sensation, each level of ordered life sees more of what's there. Number two, in the area of action, does dirt act? I don't think so. I don't think dirt says, I think I'll get up and take a walk and plant myself over here. Doesn't do that. Plant doesn't act. Now, it does respond. Got to be careful here because it does respond to stimuli, doesn't it? It's all involuntary, but it does respond. But it's not volition, it's not an act of the plant's will. It does what it's designed to do. Animals are different though. They can respond, they can decide, I think I'll take a walk across the field. Now, my dog, Milo, I know has a responsive back. Sometimes I think he has emotion because when I say to my wife, I'm going to take our dog, Milo, for a walk. Now you dog owners know, dogs understand that. And I think they smile. It looks like they're smiling. Now, you know you have to know the reason they're smiling though. No, they're smiling because they're thinking to themselves, yeah, he's going to take me for a walk. I'm taking him for a walk. You know how that goes. Yeah, he knows that. But an animal may have you know, a basic concept of volition or be able to do something. But in this level, it's totally automatic. We start to get a little bit more voluntarism here, a little bit more volition, act of the will. But still, it's not to the degree of humanity. Humans are incredibly less automatic, right? They possess a will. They can think. They can rationalize. They can act. They can decide. The higher level of life now, the more aware you are, the higher level order of life, the more what philosophers call volition," the ability to choose self-mastery. You can decide what you're going to do. Lower forms of life respond to stimuli. Higher forms are more into self-mastery, more ability to choose, they decide, they act, they have volition. So that back to your bulletin in the area of the will, each level of ordered life possesses a greater degree of self-determination. You have the power to decide what you're going to do. Now three, feeling. Do you think dirt feels? I don't think dirt says, hey, you stepped on me, that hurt. I don't think they feel or have emotion. Plants do not feel or have emotions. Animals, they have the rudiments of feeling, but they don't feel as on a deep level as humanity because feeling is in conjunction with your sense of awareness. They're not aware of a lot of things they should feel. But humanity feels on a deeper level. My dog cannot rejoice the way I can. I'm not saying dogs can't be happy. I tell you, I think sometimes Milo expresses happiness. But it's not to the degree of humanity because there's a greater awareness of understanding about that which we should be happy. Uh, The deep feelings of joy, the sensations of ecstasy, those are not the same with animal level. Again, here we go. In the area of feeling, each level of ordered life feels more deeply than the previous level. That's all I'm saying in feeling, in acting, in thinking. I know it's hard, but as you progress awareness becomes more intense. You're aware of more of what's there. Your determination, a volition to do what you want to do and feeling to feel something special. Now, you know where I'm going with this, don't you? According to the Bible, there's one more level after this one. It's when the seed of the presence of God comes into the soil of your soul. You don't move to this level or this level or even this level. As a matter of fact, if you're still here, you're dead man walking. There's another level The level of being born again, there's going to be a lot of people in the next eight minutes that listen to what I have to say and they're going to think, huh? There's going to be other people shaking their heads the whole time. Yep, that's right. That's the way it works. Because what the Bible says is that when you are born again, you are pushed into a higher order of life, a higher level, so much so that if you compare the new life with this life, it's like you're a dead man walking. You might be described as living, but it's a living death. That's why the Bible says you were dead in your transgressions. You were just dirt, Jesus says, but I put the seed of God in you, and now you are a higher order of life. Okay, Jeff, that's all well and good. What does it mean? It means this, that a person who was born again possesses a greater sense of awareness. You see things now you never saw before. You might even thought they were ridiculous. You wonder why your non-Christian friends cannot see what you see, because they've not been born again. The seed of God has not gone into the soil of their soul. But you, you're different. There's divine realities now. Man, they're powerful in your life. You not only know about God, you see God. You know, not as some kind of theophany or visible picture, but you see his work all around you, which is why you respond to difficulty differently than you did before you were born again. God is more than an idea or a concept or a set of principles. His presence is in you. So you're like Job. When I stood up here two weeks ago and I told you, now, if you've been born again, you're totally good with this. And I told you that Job... As he responded to God and God talked with Job, God said, Job, do you not understand? I am able to take the chaos in the early stages of the universe and bring beauty, pattern, and design into it. In the same way, I am able to take the chaos present in your life and bring beauty and pattern and design into it. And there are people right now shaking their heads. You know why? They've been in the fire and they've seen now, years later, how beauty, pattern, and design comes out of chaos. Now, if you're born again, you see it. You feel it. It's real. If you're not, you're thinking, this guy's crazy. He's lying to himself. But how can I express it if you've not been born again to where you can understand it until the seed comes into the soil of your life? That's what's so hard. It's frustrating for we preachers. Like Paul, Paul said, all things work together for the good. I say that, people think, yeah, right, how God's gonna bring good out of this. I don't know, but then he does it, I am sure. And I've seen it. There goes the heads again, bobbing up and down. It's like bobblehead Sunday at (laughs) CCV right now, because you know. And sometimes, you know what, when I talk about the potter and the clay, you talk about feeling. There are people in this room, when they go through these difficulties, they can feel like they're the the clay and God is sharpening the edges. They'll almost tell you, I got pain in my shoulders. God's sharpening, it's hurting, it's painful. But I know because I'm at the stage of awareness, I see spiritual realities that God is shaping and molding. And believe it or not, good is coming. James chapter 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, that you may be mature and complete, not liking anything. Now, I want you to know something about that passage. Nowhere in that verse does the Bible say that God sent you your tragedy. It's an accounting term. Consider. It says, you know what? As a Christian, there's a part of you, like Job, you want to understand all the intricate details of your pain. God told Job, no, you are finite. I am infinite. Let God be God. that whole statement again you want the truth you can't handle the truth god's will his power his wisdom is so vast how much do you really want to know but god says i'll tell you what you can trust i'm going to use this to work you into the person that i want you to become you're into the higher order level of life i look at you I, i i am feeling as good right now as i've ever felt as your pastor because i keep seeing head bobbing that tells me there's a lot of believers in this room there are people who say jeff Man, you better get to the deep stuff. This is shallow already. I mean, I know what you're talking about. Give me something I don't know, right? You know that's the way God, the power of the cross becomes more real. The love of God, you're aware of that. You know that it doesn't matter if the pain you're in was caused by you. God doesn't put you on that uh, platform and say, all right, you got yourself into this mess. Uh, You get yourself out. That's not the love of God. And because the cross, you know that God forgives. He doesn't give you a speech. He just says, don't worry, man, I'm right here with you. I'm right here with you. We're going to go through this together. I don't care how you got here. We're in this together and I'm going to release my divine energy into your life every step of the way. Before, when I said these things, if you're not born again, they're vague to you. You think they're ridiculous until God plants the seed. Do Do you realize if right now there are chill bumps running down and you're thinking, yeah, do you realize what that means? It's a sign of your authenticity. The seed of God has been planted in the soil of your soul. You're living on a higher level. Your friends aren't going to understand. We want them to. You pray for them that God would plant his seed. Divine realities become personal realities. Secondly, a person who has been born again possesses a supernatural ability to enact the will. You're not just responding anymore to stimuli. You have all five senses. You have the ability to act. That's why the best thing that somebody who's addicted to alcohol can do is come to Christ. Then they're higher order. They got the power and the volition to make a change. Before that, you're living in a lower level of life. And in comparison, you're dead man walking. You want to do the good, but you can't. You want to defeat alcoholism, pornography. You want to defeat whatever, but you, have, you are powerless. But now you're in the higher order of life, man. And now before it was a master over you, but now you're large and in charge. You tell the will, what to do, because you're empowered by the power of God through his Holy Spirit. Listen, listen, I had a friend in Savannah, Georgia. Name was Sam. Sam and I played a lot of golf together. Sam was an interesting guy. I mean, he took me a lot of nice golf courses. And Sam said to me, "Now, look, we've, we've been playing golf together. You, you know me, but there's something you, else you got to know about me. I just want to be up front with you. I said, man, what is that, Sam? I thought something really bad was coming. He said, I'm an alcoholic. I said, wow, Sam, really? I said, how often do you drink? He said, I haven't had a drink in 12 years, but I am an alcoholic. I go to AA meetings every morning. I said, how do you do it? How do you defeat something that's so strong? You know what he said? It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Amen. Yeah. When I first heard that, I thought, oh, okay, yeah, right. What's the real reason? I, there's a the temptation to do that. But then you get to know Sam. Sam knows that defeating alcoholism is a 24-hour period. You never defeat it for good. You just defeat it one day at a time. And to do that, he said, I know that the power of God lives in me because I'm at a higher order. And I call on that power every morning to get me through that day. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I defeat it one day at a time because I'm at a higher order of life. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Vines. Thanks for joining us. Next time, we'll bring you the rest of this message from Pastor Jeff. What on earth is Pastor Jeff talking about? Because it's something that has to be experienced, right? It's kind of like jumping out of an airplane. I can try to describe it, but until you've done it. You don't have a clue. When you're born again, you feel things you never felt previously. The love of God. But you've got to go past theory into reality. And the only way you do that is when you're born again and you're raised to a higher order of life. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Vines wherever you get your podcasts. You make me